listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. The word of the Lord, as written in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, uh, I did not plan on being up here this morning. Uh, Pastor Tom was really looking forward to uh, preaching this morning, but unfortunately he was uh, tested positive for COVID on Wednesday. And uh, it turns out that Pastor Joey, who was going to fill in for Pastor Tom, uh, woke up yesterday with a sore throat, and more significantly his wife Jenna also tested positive for COVID. And uh, so Joey called me last night about 8 o'clock when I was in the Orlando airport coming back from uh, our niece's wedding, Uh, so you get me. Uh, I'm I'm like the uh, third backup guy when the starter and the backup, you know, are both out of the game or, you know, like the guy got called up from AAA uh, when, when the other guys are on the DL and we're like six infections away from having to draw a name out of a hat. And it's going to be like, you in section 12, row three, you're up today. Um, so you get me and uh, something probably a little shorter and maybe a little rougher than uh, a normal uh, message. Um, but let's jump in to John chapter one and um, start with this uh, memory of mine. Uh, some of you may have seen or remembered or heard about the 1970s movie, Oh God. Uh, John Denver, of all people, uh, is playing a grocery bagger who is visited by God, who's played by George Burns. And uh, John Denver is commissioned by God to take this message to the people of the world, and of course, uh, nobody believes him, this character Jerry, uh, even after he goes, you know, on interviews and he's on this daytime talk show where the host uh, is responding to Jerry's description of having met God, and she says, wait, God wears glasses? And then she wonders, where does God get glasses? Anywhere he wants, I guess. And, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of this funny line, but it's, it's somewhat significant because the interviewer is kind of fascinated in learning about God, but she doesn't really believe in him. She's not really paying attention to what John Denver is trying to tell her about this God that he's met. And acting as God's messenger causes all kinds of other troubles for Jerry. The religious authorities are resentful. Who are you to speak for God? And they uh, try to give him a religious test to trip him up, and they, uh, they trout out their religious credentials. Uh, the, <laughs> the evangelical televangelist boasts, I was personally chosen to give the invocation at this year's Super Bowl. Who are you to teach us about God, young man? And uh, they're all suspicious. 
they're all confused, and they're all wrong. But the sad part is they don't know it because they don't really know God. They've, they've never really met him. Now, I do not recommend the movie for its theology. Uh, it gets a lot wrong about God. It's not the God of the Bible that this character meets. But it does get a couple of things right. And I think one is the response and the character of this grocery bagger named Jerry. He's a normal guy. He, he's married. He's got family troubles. He's trying to make ends meet. And he has this encounter with God, and he goes through skepticism and doubt and fear, but ultimately comes to a place of believing and trust and hope and then a confidence and a joy that changes him and, and helps actually grow him into the person he was meant to be because he's actually met God. And what the movie also gets right is that it shows it's possible to know a lot of things about God and read the Bible and have maybe even right understanding theologically but not actually know God. It's possible to be able to identify false doctrine. It's, it's possible to even agree with true things about God and not really know him. But God wants us to know him. And he's made it possible for us to know him and know him in a way that actually changes us and helps us become the people that God created us to be. In, in this season of Advent, the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're walking our way through uh, the very first part of John's gospel, which is just this incredible introduction to Jesus as the Word. We saw last week. The, the eternally existent person who is both somehow with God and is God and yet is distinct from God and yet there's only one God. And he's, John says, the order behind everything that exists in the world. The creative power of God, the source of light and life rolled into one person and now become human. And we're looking at these verses in John's gospel because we really need to get an idea of how big, how big this God is. How, how big Jesus is in his full deity before we, you know, get to Christmas and we ooh and ah over the cute baby in the manger. Because to really understand what Christmas is about and to understand why we celebrate that baby in the manger, we need to understand who he really is and what he's come to do as the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Now, there's, there's more in these verses than we have time to look at today and more than I had time to study and develop. <clears throat> so, we're going to focus really just on kind of one big idea, that Jesus is the light who brings life to all who receive him. Jesus is the light who brings life to all who receive him. Now, last week, Pastor Joey took us through the first five verses in uh, chapter one, and, and we saw that Jesus was with God in the beginning, and he is God from the beginning. He is the God who made all things. He is the God in whom there is light and life, and that's supposed to grab our attention, even, even the wording that John uses, because if you're familiar with what we call the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures, 
if you hear in the beginning and words about light and life, what is that supposed to make you think of? That's Genesis 1, right? That's the beginning. And all the way back at the very beginning of the Bible, we're meant to see from John's perspective, from John's understanding that God, who is Jesus, but Jesus is also distinct from God and yet is one God together makes everything. And after this incredible sort of theological cosmic backdrop of the word who is coming into the world, now in verses 6 through 8, we get this quick look at John, the, the guy we normally call John the Baptist, who is not the same as the John who's writing this story about John, who is the Baptist. So it's confusing. I know two different Johns, and they're related and talking about each other, but the, but the John that John is talking about is introduced as a man with one primary function. Look in verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John, the gospel writer, doesn't pay a lot of attention to the fact that this other John is baptizing people and he, he doesn't even really mention the baptisms in, in his account because that's not what's important. What's important is that this John is a witness. He's there to give testimony to Jesus, the light and the life who has come into the world. And that's supposed to make us really kind of stop and think, why, why would light and life need a witness? Like I'm standing in the light right now and I can tell that there's light here and I can also discern when there's not light and, and when there's darkness. I don't need somebody to tell me that and, you know, we're all pretty good at identifying when something is alive and when something is dead. But maybe we're not as good at identifying those things as we think. Uh, it makes me uh, recall this uh, Monty Python sketch from years ago where this man walks into a pet shop with a bird cage and there's an obviously dead parrot in the bottom of it and he's complaining that this guy has actually sold him a dead parrot. No, he's not dead, he's just resting. I know a dead parrot when I see one and I'm looking at a dead parrot. No, he's just tired after a long squawk. Oh, well, I'll wake him up. So John Cleese pulls the parrot out of the cage. Wakey, wakey, Polly, time to get up. I've got a nice fish for you. And he's banging the parrot on the table. Wake up, Polly. No, you stunned him. Look, he's not stunned. He's dead. When I got him home, I found out the only reason he was upright was because you nailed his feet to the perch. Oh, you have to do that or he'd zoom right out of the cage. This parrot wouldn't boom if you put 4,000 volts through him. He's dead. It's demised. This parrot is no more. He's ceased to be. It rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed him to the perch, he'd be pushing up the daisies. This is an ex-parrot. And the reason we laugh at it is because it's so ridiculously obvious that this is dead. But it also really illustrates what John is kind of getting at here. We are like the shop owner. And John the Baptist is also maybe kind of literally pulling out his hair and the veins on his neck are popping 
to try and get us to see what is so obvious from God's perspective. We're alive, but there's something deeply, profoundly wrong in us, and we don't have any real life. We don't have real life with God in us. We think we're alive, but we're not. And we think we are walking in the light, but we're walking in the dark. And we need someone to help us see that. That's what John has come to point us towards, that Jesus is the light who brings life to all who receive him. And that comes out clearly in verses 9 through 11, why we need that message. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That should really grab us. And help us see what John is getting at here. We think we get it, but we don't. Jesus, the light and the life, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. His own. It's a phrase that oh, kind of gives this image of arriving at a place that's intimate and familiar. In other words, he came home. He, he came to his people. He came to the people who should have seen him and recognized him and, and welcomed him. I mean, it, it, that word receive is, is another powerful, significant word because it, it carries a sense of being welcomed with open arms, of being drawn in with familiarity and love and, and gratitude and, and welcome. You know, maybe you've heard the old saying, home is the place where when you go there, they have to take you in. Not for Jesus. He came to his home. He came to his own, the very world he had made. And when he arrived, no one noticed. No one cared. And in fact, they did everything they could to shut him out, to argue with him, to to act like the shop owner. No, 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 there's nothing wrong with us. I'm not dead. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. His own did not receive him. Amelia and I, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I were down at our niece's wedding in Florida. And uh, for those of you that have you know, been to any kind of a wedding, there's a familiar pattern that follows, right? Everyone's sitting around and we're there for a specific purpose. And at some point in the ceremony, the music changes and everyone stands up and we turn around and, and we look at the bride as she's walking down. This is why we're there, right? Now, imagine what it would be like if the music plays, the bride starts walking down the aisle, and nobody notices or cares. Like, we just keep sitting there and having our little side conversations and talking about the weather or the game or whatever and what we're going to have for lunch and when is this thing going to be over and what are you going to do afterward? And, and the the whole reason that we're there is standing in front of us and we miss it. Could, could you imagine being on the other side of that, of experiencing like you're the one that's maybe walking down, you're the one that the whole thing is about 
and no one cares that you're there. You walk into what should be your home, what should be a celebration, what should be a welcome, what should be love and connection and care, and, and none of it is there. Everyone is busy with something else. No one can be bothered. Everyone says, ah, not worth my time. I got more important things to do. You get the, the sense of just the, what that would feel like, that how horrible and, and crushing that would be. That, that everything that signifies who you are and what you're worth and why you matter is treated like garbage, like nothing to the very people that ought to be welcoming and loving and celebrating you. That's what Jesus experienced. His, his own did not welcome him. But he experienced it so that we would not have to. He took on the rejection that we created and that we threw in his face. He took it on himself and entered into death and darkness so that we wouldn't. Because Jesus is the light and life for all who receive him. The, the eternal reality of the universe is not a, a principle or a power or a force or a philosophy, but a person. And John says that reality, that being, came into this world and took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and came to show us what God is like, what God the Father is like, and made it possible for us to know him, to know him as our Father. That's the whole point that John the Gospel writer and John the Baptist are getting at. Look in verses 12 and 13. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of a man, but of God. The God of the Bible is a person who thinks and feels and acts and wills and creates and he weeps and he rejoices and he celebrates and he gets angry and he listens and he knows and he guides and he judges and he defends and he protects. And the Bible uses all kinds of images to portray what God is like in relation to us and what he wants us to know him as. But the most significant one for John is that God is a father. Now, for some of you, that may give a positive impression. For others, maybe it's just okay. And others, maybe that's even negative because our human fathers are somewhere on that scale, right? From good to eh, to pretty good, great. But the, the point is not that we understand what God is like by looking at our human fathers. The point is we understand who God is like, and that informs what fathers are supposed to be like. Because God himself is the pattern. And he, he's, he's saying, okay, you've all had fathers who related to you in a certain way. Here's what my fatherhood looks like. It looks like love and care and strength and protection and wisdom and self-sacrifice and love and nurture and discipline and protection and care 
And that's what I want for you to have in knowing me, Jesus says. That's the Father that I want you to know, that I've come to connect you to. And because Jesus is with the Father, he is the one who can bring you to the Father. He is the unique firstborn Son of God who can make us all sons and daughters. For all who receive him, for all who believe in his name. The good news is not that God is everyone's father. I mean, he is in some sense. We all bear the image of God. But the good news is that we can all become children of God through faith in Jesus. That's why Jesus has come to bring us from death and darkness into light and life and relationship with the Father through him. That's what John, the gospel writer, wants you to hear. That all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Born not of blood. It doesn't matter where you were raised. It's not a matter of your race or ethnicity or background. Not of the will of a human decision or of a husband. You're not born being a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian because you're an American. You're not a Christian because your parents were Christians or because you were raised in a Christian household. You become a Christian. You become a follower of Jesus because of the will of God. In other words, that God is calling out to us by His Spirit, through His Word, through His messengers to say, you can be my child by believing in Jesus, by receiving Him. And that brings us into light and life in a way that changes how we experience everything that we're going through. You know, for all the the lights and the beautiful ornaments that we have this time of year, it can be dark and difficult for many of us because of the loneliness, maybe because of broken relationships, maybe because of going through some really hard, painful trials. And knowing Jesus doesn't mean that those things evaporate. But it does mean you know that as you're going through them, God is your Father who loves you, who cares for you, and who will guide you by His light and fill you with His life. Because in this time of year, we hear all kinds of sales pitches, right? For what we think will give us life and fulfillment. Somebody shared after a first hour, uh, working with some of the kids in our English uh, program, the, the kids of some of our adult English learners, that uh, he was talking about what holiday is coming up a few weeks ago. And one of the kids said, Black Friday. <laughs> right? Like, that's the world we live in, right? Like, that's that, having that thing will give me life. That will make life worth living if I can save 40% on a big screen TV or 75% on a Groupon for whatever it is. Not that those things are bad. God wants to give you life. Whether you have a lot or a little. Whether you're in sickness or in health. In fact, those wedding vows that we heard our niece and now her husband share are really kind of a picture of the relationship, the commitment that God makes to us as his children. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health until our life ends, and then on into eternity. 
I will be your God and you will be my people and I will give you my life and you will walk in light and never have to wander in the darkness again. That's what we celebrate in Jesus. That's what this season is about. And today we have an opportunity to be reminded of that as we celebrate communion or what we call the Lord's Supper. Last week, Pastor Joey began uh, his message creating this wonderful scene for us that, that I think all of us could relate to. Kids with their faces pressed up against the window, looking down the road, looking out the driveway for the aunts and uncles and cousins to come in the anticipation of of seeing the, the people that we love and want to be around. And, and maybe you could imagine that from your own experience as a kid or, or maybe as a parent with your own kids and watching it with them. And the best part is not knowing that the cars are off in the distance and, and they're going to you know, eventually get there. But, of course, when the door bursts open, it's, it's the fulfillment, right? It's when the, the cousins run into each other's arms and, and they're all laughing and hug-tackling each other and, uh, and wrapped up in, in love and laughter. And, I mean, I've been on the side of, you know, doing that myself with loved ones and seeing our kids do that with family members. And uh, it, it's, there's nothing like it, right? That's what our hearts long for. You know what has never happened in those moments? Not, not even once. That... Uh, our kids or we would, you know, like walk through the door in, in one of the homes of our family members and be completely ignored, right? Like no smiles, no hugs, no kisses, no laughter, no, you know, no bear hug from grandpa, no kiss on the cheek from grandpa. That never happens. That never happens because we're always greeted by love and joy and welcome. And that's what happens when you come home. That's what Jesus has come to give to all who receive him, to all who believe in him. That's not what this meal that we share does. It doesn't make you a Christian. It reflects, it represents what God has done already for us in Christ that we're celebrating and reenacting and giving thanks for. We come to this table as God's children to be reminded, to be reassured again of his love and his care and his welcome to all who have received him, to all who believe in his name. The ushers are going to come around in a minute and distribute the elements and uh, just wait until we've all been uh, served and we'll take the elements together and over the next minute or two while the elements are coming around, it's an opportunity to kind of Reflect quietly. And the most important thing to reflect on is this. Do you know, do you know that you are a child of God? Not because of where you were born or how you were raised or, or what you heard or even what you agree with mentally, but because you have come to a point of saying, I receive Jesus. I believe in him. He is the Lord. He is the Savior he has died for my sins to rescue and save me. That's the most important thing. Come to this table knowing that you are a child of God and you are welcome in Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, thank you that you love us so much that you would send your only Son to leave the glory of heaven and the light and the life of his and your eternal presence to enter into the darkness and the brokenness and the death that we brought into this world and on ourselves. And that Jesus has done that to lead us into light and life, to rescue us, to rescue all who will trust and believe and follow him. Thank you for this meal that reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice and the life and the hope that we have in him. Help us to receive your gifts with grace and gratitude and joy and walk in your light. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.